is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your host, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's Griffin and I are back. We're going to be looking at the NFL draft. It's coming up. Seattle picks at number five overall. There is a pretty decent chance they're going to be taking one of these game-changing defensive linemen. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about if they are game-changing. We also need to sort of look, Griff, though, at the state of the overall roster, the state of play. We've, we've reviewed the defense. We've reviewed the offense. But like at this point in the offseason... Should Seattle be making a trade? Um, you're the wrong guy to ask because you're like, yes. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. My my it Absolutely. is saying my it is saying package fucking pick number five for Max Crosby and don't think twice. But no, no, you can't. I mean, that's not in their their calculus. I think the only way a trade happens, a trade of note, is like maybe trade one of your extra day two picks for an established pass rusher or maybe a receiver that is kind of like in the mid market deal. And you know, the way trades work, you're not taking on the f everything in the contract, depending on how it's written. You kind of split it 50 50 with the team you're trading with again, depending on how the contract's written. So I feel like there are some logical decisions, decisions there that you don't have to do, but you could do it. And really I feel like, well, the, the strength of this draft that we'll get into, I feel like, is really day two, day three. Yeah. Well, I'm no. still not that ecstatic about it. You may, there, you may not, there may not be a better way to spend a pick in, the, say, the 90s on a, an established player. Um, well, that absolutely matters, doesn't it? Like, I think at this point in time, your line of thinking here with, with the idea of Seattle making a trade is that the, the strength of the draft is kind of I mean, it's all we've said a few years. Like, I think this is how it is, but it's always going to be in this kind of top ninety range, and then after that, it gets a bit like, you know, what are these kinds of players? Yeah. But this draft in particular, uh, there's there's elements to it where you're like, okay, well, maybe it is worth considering trading for a veteran with one of those mid round picks rather than drafting someone. Simply because they're, you know, the, the way the draft's constructed, uh, for instance, doing a mock draft, right, on, on the mm. mock draft simulators, and there's names where I watch them at the senior bar, I'm like, oh, that, that guy's interesting as like a, you know, he looks like a kind of day three, uh, day two guy, you know, you go and look up, up his production in college, and, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's been all right, you know, he's, he's also quite old, yeah, you, you You'd like that as a, say, like fourth, maybe late third, you know, fifth round pick, that sort of thing. And then you go on the mock draft simulators and he's getting taken 38 overall. And you're like, um, so is that just an anomaly? Like, is, is this draft yeah. simulator rating this guy super high because, you know, they just like him for some reason? But then the, the, the more you do them, the more you realize actually this is actually a common occurrence where there isn't as many players 
as I, I perhaps thought it used to be that the scene like the senior bowl they might have like <laughs> i don't know it'll be interesting seeing the percentages of how many of the top 100 players for instance are from the senior bowl attended the senior bowl because i think it'll be a lot like and you, that didn't used to you know it's been up on the rise but mm-hmm. i think with like uh nil um the way that college football is changing and also the COVID year, I think, is still relevant. I think that you've just got this pool of players where that a lot of them are seniors, that there isn't as much of the like underclassmen talent that you'd have. Like, for instance, you know, Jared Verse choosing to return. Um yeah, it just feels like the draft drift is yeah. Is a not as not as loaded in the as you go on as you'd like right like it's i mean the the second best interior pass rusher weighs 280 pounds like can you even of, of this draft collegiate and can't see. yeah and i like him he's really intriguing but like when the second best interior pass rusher in the in the draft has a major question mark with can he even be played on early downs like the fact that you have to even ask the question is concerning of itself now smart teams can figure it out but you don't want to have to figure anything out with the first round pick you want to airdrop him in and say go play ball you know so it's it's just it's it's frustrating it, it really feels like um you know there are very few blue chips like true blue chips guys that you want to take top 15 outside of you know quarterback um like i didn't feel that way last year i'm not every position was super strong last year but like 2021 was a very strong draft also the year before um this uh this year kind of pales by comparison now there are still good players i think the strength of the class is probably in corner there's not a corner that's as good as stingley or gardner last year but like there's or anywhere close to like say certain or jc horn but there are still really good corners and there's a lot of depth there. So like, that's, that's cool. But like the tackles last year were better than this year. Well, Obviously they don't need a tackle, but. Well, yeah. So tight ends also really deep, isn't it? And tight ends are and deep. rookie tight ends in past years, you know, drafting one, it's kind of an unknown as they transition to from like college to an NFL world. A lot of the times they really need to adapt to blocking in line and blocking schemes of that nature. Mm-hmm. And often the guys who have blocked well in line have route running stuff they have to pick up. So right. it's often difficult. But this is supposed to be a deep tight end thing. But again, Seattle, okay, there's perhaps a subtle need at tight end now, but it wasn't the obvious need going into this draft. The problem really is that in this draft, Seattle, you know, if you look at their major needs, it was still outside linebacker, edge, pass rush. And that's so that's a weak point of the draft, right? Um, right. And then I mean, wi- go ahead. Well, and then wide receiver three, there is intriguing options, right? But that, but there's a there's a conversation to be had about. I think a lot of these guys who I'm seeing are high. I'm sort of like the projection to the league. Like for instance, not to pick on someone, but like Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, he he, I've seen him go sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, you know, that kind of range overall yeah the guy is coming from an offense where it just there's no translation really to the nfl like it shows off he's fast and can catch but like yeah um 
route running wise is complete projection. And that's that's it's, an example of what we're talking about of how guys have bumped up more than than perhaps they would have been in past years and how the projection element is more of a thing for a lot more of the prospects. There's no like sure certain uh, elements, there's a lot less certainty. But right. but like, you know, the, the fact that that is a thing means that again, there's a conversation to be had about maybe making a trade for a vet. Yeah. Um there uh i mean th there are some obvious names out there kind of like we know brandon cooks wants to trade but like if if it only takes a third round pick i mean maybe even because crazier things have happened deandre hopkins went for a second round pick somehow now aj brown went for a, a huge haul just last year but brandon cooks is coming off a down year and he's approaching 30 years old um i think he's still brandon cooks i think he's just checked out last year but again, with his age, like I can't see him commanding a second round pick. I feel like it'd be a third round pick, maybe even a fourth. If all it takes is a fourth round pick, you could not spend a fourth round pick better this year than on Brandon Cooks, even with the the, the cap hit they'd have to incur. Um, but I don't know. So like other other veteran options, like like right off the bat, like uh, T T Higgins was rumored. That, that's just unrealistic. That's not going to happen. They're not going to be because you have to trade for him and spend on him. That would They're be not crazy. Gonna, That'd be insanity. Now, he'd be a great player for them in every way imaginable. But that you know, especially with fitting around the skill sets you have, like it would be ideal. Even but that's not going to happen. He's the perfect in between, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because um, you can slot him. He can be. He can yeah, be enough. It's not happening. It's not happening. Uh, another one that is potentially possible is like Chris Godwin, but that's he's probably going to command second round pick or higher i mean he also would be perfect in a lot of ways like a power slot it'd be great with gino it'd be great for what waldron wants to do independent of who his quarterback is but like it would be perfect but it's probably too much now if the Bengals want to shell out the cash for t higgins and pay him they can get out of uh uh boyd's contract their third receiver who's another slot receiver um they save nine million out of his ten million dollar cap hit so He's probably going to be cut, but if you don't want to try to outbid anyone for him on the open market, I can't see him costing more than a third. So that that's that'd be an interesting, you know, avenue to explore. Like, hey, just throwing out a third round pick. Who wants to take it? Uh, Cooks boy, that that'd be interesting. Now, beyond that, I mean, Keenan Allen's probably going to be cap cut. So I feel like free agency, if they're going to acquire someone, a third established vet receiver. They're probably looking at what five, six million dollar cap hit at the very most. And that's where guys like a cap cut Keenan Allen comes in because he can't stay healthy and he's getting older. So he's probably not going to get paid what he's worth, unfortunately, for him. And then obviously Robert Woods was just cut. Now, Robert Woods, he had a really bad year statistically. Coming off an ACL, though, he's another year older. Um, Sometimes guys need another offseason removed from their in ACL injury to kind of get the, you know, whatever they have left of their explosiveness back and ability to, you know, explode out of cuts and all that. Um, if, if, I mean, you'd be there, I, I can't see Woods garnering what more than 5 million given like recent history there. If I feel like that would be a uh, low risk, higher, potentially high reward type of a uh, uh, decision there because at worst he's just slightly better than goodwin and then at best i mean he's a high value third target 
that you can throw the ball to 80 times. And then not to mention ideal scheme fit. And he knows the, the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And should say um, Marquis Goodwin, he, he was all, he, you know, he offered a bit to the offense last year, kind of a glimpse of what a wide receiver three could do, which got banged up midway to late in the season. He was added for just over $1 million last year. At 32 years old, he turns 33. It would be interesting to see him back in Seattle, where that's probably, I imagine they're going to look like elsewhere, different options. So, like, it is a significant bump up to then consider like a Robert Woods, especially when he's, you know, you know, at his best, he's a much more multi-dimensional receiver. He can offer you uh, much more of a, a, you know, options like uh, over the middle in the intermediate passing game as well. I'd say along with deep, but you know, it is a big question mark if he can get his agility back. And Rohan points out, you know, would they even have to cap room to trade for a veteran wide receiver if you re-sign Gino? I mean, if they wanted to, they could make it happen. But it is like, you know, at what point, you know, are they just going too much to make that happen? I, I think yeah. probably, it, probably too much, yeah. It has but, to be way too convenient for whatever uh, ends up happening, so... Um, yeah, and and honestly, in the draft, like I think they should be able to come away with a, at least one kind of in between option. Even with what I said about some of these guys getting inflated to like weird levels, right, right. But like, uh, what you've put Keenan Allen down as a free agent? He's gonna be cut. Yeah. So I like another you know tall-ish slot receiver who just works over the middle. Has really good ball skills. Now, the funny thing, because the guys that I mentioned, like Keenan Allen, even Godwin to an extent, um, Robert Woods, uh, Brandon Cooks, all these guys have skill set mirrors in the draft, like really like square mirrors. Like you don't have to like BS that statement. Like they have a legit, like there is a Keenan Allen in this draft. There's a Tyler Boyd in this draft. His name is Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, more or less. But like close enough, he's there. Brandon Cooks is in this draft. Elijah Moore is in this draft. He was a guy that was floated last year, right? Zay Flowers, you know, um, and maybe Downs to an extent, um, or at least Downs is maybe more like, a, I don't know, but he's, he, I mean, Robert Woods, Brandon Cook, Zay Flower. I mean, you're, you're kind of talking the same kind of usage in the scheme. So um, even if their skill sets aren't one-to-one, but, you know, uh, you, you want to go crazy, like, Jordan Addison's right there. He's kind of a perfect combination of a lot of these types. So, yeah, the, there's and the I don't know. It's interesting how a lot of these guys. I mean, I guess size is rare at the NFL. Uh, sorry, at the wide receiver position, but like, there's a lot of under six foot types who you know. There's and with questions of are they more of an inside outside guy or more of an outside inside guy, which is kind of what Seattle needs right now. They need that in between of, of Lockett and Metcalf, right. whether you go for like a pure slot type and allow Lockett to stay outside more, probably not, but you might lean more to being more of an inside kind of guy than a guy who goes outside. And if you're thinking about the playing time aspect and how Lockett had showed a reluctance uh, to, you know, get yards after the catch, which is like, you know, good for him. But, Playing-wise, that guy, if they're coming in in the three wide receiver sets, most of the time they'll be getting those over-the-middle kind of routes from the slot. So 
it is encouraging. Like, like I need to watch, for instance, Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, who is is that in like 5'11", 185 pound build, and I, I remember he stood out to me watching uh, Desmond Ridder um, last year. So mm-hmm. definitely going to be options there. But where there isn't options, Griff is probably the. Well, no, no, probably. Where there isn't options is outside linebacker in the draft, where, like, suddenly, you know, you're like, okay, Luchan and the Wosu panned out great. Dow Taylor ended the season strong, but we kind of need, you know, given that Bruce Irvin at 35 years old off the street was basically your starting outside linebacker opposite Uchen and the Wosu. Depth-wise, you've got Boye Mafe, who hope will take a jump, but we weren't that positive about his film coming out although the, you know, the athletic traits is, are obvious uh, and the testing is. But, like, uh, after that, you know, Tyreek Smith, big question mark. He, you know, he had a redshirt year, not really sure what he'll offer. You know, he was a day three pick. Alton Robinson is uh, an even bigger question mark. It sounds like he might not, you know, he's had some complications coming off a knee injury. Uh, we'll see how that pans out, but doesn't sound great. So they obviously needed more pass rush and edge-wise in this draft Griff, it's Will Anderson Jr. as the, the top one, but uh, we'll talk, we will talk about him in more detail. But then like after him, I don't know, especially thinking like Seattle's running 3-4, right? And as they have for the last four years, your favourite line. And that would be in the old system, like a Sam and a Leo sort of, joined together so we're talking here a 250 pound 260 pound kind of guy hopefully would have arms over 34 inches long has a quick get off and winds of speed rush predominantly and would not look out of place dropping into coverage so they have to have some kind of hip fluidity and agility as well when they when they drop back in, at times so you think basically bruce Irvin at his prime is a pretty good indicator especially as you go on um you know, through the draft, talking about Bruce's NFL usage there, because obviously at West Virginia, he was a bit of Russia, but yeah. West Virginia, he was winning with speed and he, he was just fast than everyone. He didn't really have a move. He just ran past people. And yeah. that would that would be ideal. However, in this draft, there's Will Anderson Jr. who, yeah, we'll talk about him. But as I repeat myself, but after him, there isn't the obvious, like, I don't really know how the class doesn't it's seem very good. Like, like, yeah, like conventionally speaking, like the conventional three, four outside linebacker types in this draft, it's there, there isn't a lot of total talent. And then there just aren't that many bodies, period, like at that spot. Like you, that's why you kind of shift gears and start looking at the, the tweener types that will, and there are some interesting options and you can make the tweener types work, but it's you like to start with, okay, who are the guys that are overwhelming fits? So yeah, Will Anderson. Then after him, there's BJ Ojolari. And he's really the only other guy that kind of screams like fringe first round, early second round pick. You know, if he came out last year, he'd probably yeah. be somewhere after Ebiketti and maybe around with Boye Mafe and Drake Jackson. Like he'd be right up there. So that's kind of what you're going to get. Yeah, I remember him. last last year we we were like, oh, is this guy coming out? Yeah, because he he was flashing. He has a like his best. He has speed. He has bend. Um, he's got good length too. But what happens to him this year? Uh, I mean, he was kind of more the same. He just didn't necessarily take a huge jump. Like he could be, he could be a good player. Obviously, like he's got NFL pedigree via his brother, who's a decent edge rusher. 
led rookies in sacks his rookie year. He was good at Georgia, you know. Um, so, I mean, like, he he's kind of like a prototypical – if he's there at 36 or 37, whatever that pick is, and if they take him, I'd be like, okay, sure. Yeah. But, like, after but, him like, – go ahead. Compared to Ebiketti last year. Ebiketti just has – I think Ebiketti's just has more weight behind every move that he – like, yeah. more, like better, better density, so m- is, more power, more play strength. So, is Ojolar – is he like a prospect which is bumped up because of the lack of the you know lack of the depth in the class like for instance yeah. if he came out last year well we know he'd have been like a third third round he, he, he probably would have been in that cluster with Mafia, Drake jackson oh, Benito. okay yeah like like right in there like he would be like you'd have evocati over him and then you get into okay how do we sift through ojalari Mafia, drake jackson mm-hmm. Benito? like he's right in there with that group so like this okay. isn't he doesn't scream first round to me most years. And then after him, it's you got Nolan Smith, who weighs 230 pounds. Now, Nolan Smith, 230-pound guy, he's very good against the run. He's He punches above his weight, but like he's raw as a pass rusher. He has pass rushing traits. But for me, it's like he's a classic guy you take in the third round, beef up 10, 15 pounds, and be like, hey, maybe he could be something. But with what he's working with right now, you can't justify taking him in the first or super early second. And I've seen, you know, again in in the mock draft simulators and even in mock drafts, I've seen him going in the second. So yeah, yeah. And then after him, it's like Will McDonald, like his edge rush skills, like edge rush things he's got going for him are really. I mean, he might have the best pure bend, pure speed at arc speed in the class. But again, he's two forty. Now he's another guy that plays fairly well for his weight. But 240 is still 240. The mass just isn't there. So, um, and yeah, I think the, I think he'd have put on the mass if he could have. Like he played inside I mean, a lot. Yeah, you, I mean they had him playing four I. Yeah, and maybe you know if he comes into the combine at 250 and runs like a you know fast 40, fast 10 yard split jumps well, then maybe that sort of changes your mind. Uh, the other th- so that the testing is going to be big for s- sort of sorting that out, but. It, especially feels like this year after diving into the tape that um you know I, I, there's not as many like wow i tweeted it there's not as many wow prospects or guys i'm like i don't have as many questions about or i'm like you know they're not jumping off the film um it's it's a bit less certain so testing will be big now but the reason we we're talking about the edge class and the fact that after will anderson there isn't usually that supplementary you know, like two extra first round picks that you'd kind of expect is they could trade for one, right? So you've put here, Griff, Bryce Huff, Jacob Martin, remember him, and Chase Winovich. Yeah, those are the guys that if they're going to go out and acquire someone in free agency, it's probably going to be like guys that are, again, under 5 million a year. Chase Winovich might even sign for two or three million. I do um, that. I I, I do so that. We were talking before. Little peek behind the curtain here, listener. We were talking before we came on air, and Griff was like, "I, I you know, I saw he put Chase Winovich down." I was like, "Oh yeah, you, you know, interesting. Like you know, coming out, he's athletic. Like talks about a lot." Um, so I did some things with the Patriots. Good player. I didn't realize he'd been. <laughs> I didn't realize he played for Cleveland last year. Yeah. So I don't know what that's about. And the fact he got hurt in his third year. And then this year he's a bit banged up as well. 
that could be an interesting he had so i mean like the idea behind him is like obviously he's just a good depth player that would could play 300 plus snaps for you um and if that's all he costs i mean he's basically what an upgrade on bruce Irvin, right um i remember watching him at michigan when i was watching Rashawn gary i was more impressed with chase winovich than, than gary now obviously gary reached his potential so good for him but winovich came out of the gate his first two years with absurdly high pressure rate especially on pass downs so i mean you can trot him out there and, and mix and match it like if winovich is healthy and kind of get, gets back to his patriot self you if if Taylor has another kind of stinker of a year, at least out of the gate, Winovich can be like your your floor where you go, okay, well, we'll just play Chase more and we can kind of get a floor of pressure with him. And if not, if Taylor becomes the guy, then you can just play Winovich slightly less. Now the guess thing how is old, guess how old Winovich will be, eighth or nineteenth. Twenty-eight, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so here's the thing though, John Schneider. He made that Chris Clemens trade early on, like the first offseason. He's been, he's probably been looking, hunting for that diamond in the rough. A guy who has had some flashes in it early on in his career, edge rusher that can um, maybe be able to handle more. So, I mean, Chris Clemens had an up and down um, start to his, his career, but then obviously, as we all know, he had 30 sacks in three years with Seattle. So he's always looking for that guy, a guy that he can acquire relatively cheaply. So I don't know, maybe it's Winovich. Now Jacob Martin's the other guy that could bring him home. I mean, when Martin's the same guy today that he was when they traded him to Houston. He's a good depth pass rusher who, you know, again, raises the floor of your rotation, like the bottom of your rotation. Like those, we think like, oh, that's not exciting, but those guys play anyway, right? So you'd rather have that guy be Jacob Martin if, if you can and if it's only a difference pick, of not to pick on someone but like better him than Daryl Johnson you know like a guy off the street right. uh, and even like Bruce Irvin as well as he played in in the circumstances like that's not that obviously wasn't a plan and it spoke to the lack of depth they've had from the lack of draft picks you know over the past like you know prior cycles so right Right. So, um, and then Bri yeah. Bryce Huff, that's an interesting one because he's a younger guy. That's a case of the Jets not wanting to, or, you know, not not being able to pay. Why wouldn't they pay him? Well, they probably do because they just cap cut Carl Lawson, right? Right. Okay. So, so segue. So, he plays on the edge as well. Not only that, he plays on the right side, and Nwosu can do both, but. And Wosu seem to be, he seems to prefer the left side too. Lawson is a rare edge rusher that prefers the right side. I mean, Lawson's really good. He's not as good as he used to be because of all the injuries. But if he could just stay on the field, he's still a good player. Um, he's just not worth that contract. So I feel like he's a guy that can't sign for more than four yeah. to six million. I mean, that'd be fun. Mm. Um, I just, you worry about availability with him though. Um, but he, he's, he's another guy though that like, I would geek out at. I mean, he's he is a edge rush connoisseur, like aficionado. Like, it's tragic that he's hurt. He's been hurt. Isn't he? Uh, isn't he a shorter armed guy? He's a shorter he's, armed guy yeah. who wins with hand moves, though, just because he knows what the hell yeah. he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, right. Okay. Well, with there, there's your trade talk engaged with Griff. Oh no, 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 no! We're not done what trade though talking trade if they want like okay so options for veterans 
if they yeah. want to trade like the realistic like forget about miles garrett forget about <laughs> max crosby like with total wish casting uh they could trade for like zadarius smith preston smith daniel hunter even which i doubt minnesota would do those guys are contracts that are easy to get out of um if you're on if you're looking to get out of them especially if like a third round pick is enticing to them um to that team like i, I would send a third round pick for zadarius smith easy 30 31 years old still very productive scheme fit yeah i don't i'd do it sure why not um so yeah those are some names but because they, they have to acquire two pass rushers this offseason somehow they can't be they can't be theory they need to be real tangible um and you don't mind in when you say that it can be an inside guy and an outside guy, right? It doesn't have to. Be it, it has to. I don't care where it comes. You know, it has to come from somewhere, right? Uh, preferably a guy that plays, you know, at least two thirds of the snaps, um, or half, depending on you know rotations and all that. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, These names, hope hopefully that happens. I have a feeling that they're not gonna do this. Yeah, they're they're probably not. But um, Lee La Riviere just said it dropped in the chat. He mentioned Robert Beal Jr. I really like him too. Watch I mean, when when we watch um, when we watch uh, Georgia, the Georgia defense. I mean, he pops a lot. I don't know why. I mean, I know he's a senior, but I don't know why he doesn't get more attention. I mean, he's a he doesn't have crazy traits, but he has good traits and he's really skilled. Um, and again, like for those 245 to 50 pound edge types, play strength is a premium because so many guys look exciting and they don't do anything in the NFL because they're soft as tissue. But Beal isn't one of those guys. I mean, he, he plays. Is, is he 33? Yeah. Yeah, he's 33. He, he makes plays. Um, yeah. So interesting. Interesting. Anyway. There you go. Right. So. And then interior defensive line-wise, yeah, you put it, but it does feel very expensive compared to like some of these. I mean, trade trades with for like the contracts and stuff like that restructuring. Like Zadari Smith isn't gonna want to go cheap with you. Uh, Noise Daniel Hunter, but a guy like um, you know, as we've said, picking up like a a Winovich, for instance that in theory should be pretty affordable and, and cheap and maybe a kind of depth move to make but trade wise for the interior defensive line the guys who can actually add pass rush as well i it does feel too costly it's just way too expensive i mean like th those deals are designed to trade out of if they want like deforest buckner even chris jones which isn't going to happen she, I mean, there was some talk that Chiefs might try to move on from him just because of financials, which is so dumb. I hate that that even like it should be if Chris Jones is on your team, on no planet would I be looking to ever get rid of him ever. He's, but, uh, he makes their defense go as well. Like, yeah, there's a lot of he's one of those players who gets them out of bad play calls and bad situations he's, so he, often. He, he, the only reason why he isn't talked about as potentially, you know, the best defensive player in the league is because Aaron Donald exists at his position. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think crazier. he should have been. I think he should have been defensive player of the year this past year. You know. Yeah, it was a worthy season of it. You know, 
Um, yeah, he was ridiculous and played well down the stretch. Like he basically was their defense. So yeah, so like another one is like John Allen can be traded, I think, and because if they want to pay Deron Payne, they might try to trade Montez Sweat, who's an edge, because they haven't paid him yet. Um, if they want to try to keep Allen and pay Deron Payne, but then you'd think they'd rather they don't want to double up at the interior at the expensive edge. I don't know. Because they do have Chase Young. So that's just another like floating thought. But beyond that, like those are the only even available options, I think. And none of them seem really realistic for our Seattle Seahawks. Okay. So pick number five overall in the draft is a decent opportunity. Like we're taking that going in. And the fact is, with the way that the draft set, as we've spoke about. You know, this may be the shot to get the one outside linebacker who, you know, seems definitely worthy of a first-round pick. May also be the shot to get a guy who is more disruptive on the interior of the defensive line than a lot of the guys. And maybe a chance to get the most athletic guy. So let's start with the guy who I think is the the one you'd hope would fall to number five over the ball, but won't. And that's George's Jalen Carter. So uh, having watched more and more people, uh, more and more prospects, like Carter's just clearly like the best. Like it's just not he's a, he's the best player in the whole draft, any position. Yeah. I, I people, I think people overthought that. And then the weird stuff came out from um, Todd McShay reported character concerns and you know, maybe he said something to someone. Maybe he's clearly upset someone, or a team's just trying to get him to fall. But like, yeah, he, he he plays hard. He runs around the field. I don't understand. I don't. I, I mean, there's probably there, there there's probably nothing to that. That said, the the Georgia, LSU, Alabama programs are very good at burying bad news about players. Like, extremely good at making stuff go away. But there's just there's nothing with Carter. Like that's just that's just nonsense um, to me. Like even you can't even do the you can't even do like the 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 concern trolling. Oh, he doesn't he takes plays off. Like which is always a trite observation. Anyway, he he runs sideline to sideline. He yeah, most of the plays he's running like uh, thirty yards when it when it yeah. goes sideline to sideline because Georgia have him as a four eye, then it's passed, so he has to then loop outside Expand. to the tackle. Then he has yeah. to then run across the like if you expect him to be sprinting after all that, then you 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 know, and and also that doesn't really translate to the NFL because yeah. the hash marks are tighter, there'll be less of that uh, yeah. kind of stuff as well, less moving of the front uh, yeah. in that in that way. Uh, and yeah, like the TCU game, people said how he disappeared. He didn't, like he he, he was wrecking shop in that game. Yeah, and and like the the one thing you could point towards with Carter is the the lack of sack production, if you like. But for me, that's not that concerning, given like he wins so fast that usually you know if you're if you're going to get sacked from the interior, you're kind of cleaning up for guys behind. But because he's usually the first one to win, he's flushing the quarterback out the pocket. I actually think in the NFL, where say you know you have a more reliable edge set. Um, uh, and, and just edge rush spacing because again Georgia they're playing a lot of three man fronts. Yeah. When you get into four down rush spacing, you have two guys flying off the edge. 
he'll get more sacks. Like he just yeah. will because the, the the parameters of the pocket will be set in a way that allows him to do that. But yeah, he he wins so fast that he wasn't able to do it, and so he only had six sacks in his college career over three years. Uh, I'm not concerned there, about that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not concerned either. Also, more further to your usage point. Like they also have him playing two I a lot in their over G front. So like, and he was still productive out of that position, but like he wasn't even being optimized. Like they had him doing a bunch of grunt work, which kind of like you could lead off with this point. Like he's a football player before even like his special traits, like he's technique, you know, smarts and like, just like, like just, uh, you know, just sound play. So like that's where you start with him even. Like that's what you're that's what he builds out of. And then what makes him ascends him into absurd heights is all the the uh, explosive traits and quickness and, and agility and stuff. Um now and, and and technique. But so like even to his like the production concern, because that's the main concern with Jalen Carter is the raw volume. So if you're gonna have any sort of like, well, what's a negative? It's like raw volume, whereas the, the the main negative with Will Anderson is probably like pure bend, for example, because um, each of these guys, the guys at the top of the class, uh, have have a drawback. But with with Jalen, it's on a rate basis. He he's right in line with with um, other other formerly you know highly drafted interior defenders that were productive in the NFL. So like he he had eight and a half tackles for loss in 2021, seven this year. Um, and he played like 300 something snaps each year. So his, his first or his sophomore year, 2021, he's on a crazy deep rotation, right? So like you're playing on the same line with Devonte Wyatt, Jordan Davis. They had, a, they had two other guys that were like pretty good, like 78, I think, um, I think 98 was a good player as well. So, I mean, he's one, he's out producing all those guys, like, and very few of those guys actually had a lot of counting stats either. Like, again, it's like you said, with the scheme, um in front usage like it doesn't really let one guy go crazy it's like the the production was dispersed so he's he's out producing highly drafted guys ahead of him that are out snapping him but then if you scale his stats to that of a three down full-time player like a 700 800 snap player i mean his his tfls are like 15 16 and if you go look at the which tfls actually i think they they project to more sack production in the NFL than sacks do even because sacks are such a fluky stat. Um, like TFLs are really like, if you're going to use a um, like statistical projections, TFLs are more valuable than sacks even. But so 15 TFL seasons, six sack season in college as a true sophomore, and then as a true junior, that, that's right in line with Chris Jones, Gerald McCoy, Dominican Sue's earlier years. Cause uh, his fifth year senior year at Nebraska was insane. Like all time stuff. But you look at Dominican Sue, Gerald McCoy, Chris Jones, even. Um, I mean, Quinton Williams is absurdly productive, right? But Jeffrey Simmons, like all these guys that we consider elite, um, he's right up there with them. Like he's hitting the thresholds if you scale it to their to their snap count. So, and then just on top of that, you look at pressure rate, um, which can be a little funky, but like win rate and yeah, even PFF grade, like they're the only measures available. He's still you'd rather see him rank highly in all those measures and not and he's absurdly high like just behind uh quinn and williams for uh recent recent defensive linemen in the last you know five ten years so i mean he's he passes the stat sniff test the production sniff test you just have to account for some of those things so yeah yeah and then sort of 
translating how he'd fit in Seattle, I mean, his block recognition, his ability to play in that kind of two-eye and heavy three-tech alignment like the front Seattle run, but also as a head-up nose tackle, like he'd fit right up in the front Seattle uses. He straight up wrecked plays, you know, from from a variety of alignments in the run game and the pass game. Uh, and then the way that he wins in the pass game, like obviously he has speed to power, but then the way he kind of... Uh, gets uh skinny on on um on guards and gets in, in like a head up position and then just quick swims into the backfield for quick wins i think that translates to the nfl as well like i don't yeah. and and like you know the floor of the Jeez. game against osiris torrance people, people you know this talk that he struggled i think that was just a good matchup like and florida's offense was getting all out pretty fast and he, he still has some pretty high profile wins running pass against torrance exactly yeah um he uh so yeah i mean like he the fact that he can even be explosive and productive out of like a frog stance playing the two eye which is essentially like you know um like uh like uh what am i trying to say like the 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 um uh the like the four eye like the heavy four eye play the heavy two eye play like the mirror stepping and uh stuff like that so he um the fact that he can get explosive and upfield out of that is is really impressive but then like as a pure three technique where he's a more staggered stance more uh one gapping i mean he can win every way he can win pure speed he can win pure power he's got counters he can counter off of power he's got handwork at the top of the rush i mean he can counter off the speed i mean he's got everything he he, he has displayed like you know he's a three-way go type of player yeah um is it's it's insane yeah, he is a three-way three go type of player. That's a good way of phrasing it. And, yeah, he could play. Doesn't Whatever Seattle wanted to do next year, he fits. But, like, it, like for instance, what they tried last year, he'd be fine. Like he could play across the D-line, um, five-tech to head up on the center. So, that you know, that's an every-down player in Seattle. It's just, and he only turns 22, uh, on my birthday in on April the fourth, so he is, about that. you know, young as well. Which the other two guys we're going to talk about aren't. So it's unlikely yes. that that Jalen Carter is going to be a Seahawk because even though they pick five overall, there is going to be, I think, a lot of interest in his game above Seattle and probably too good to be true he's so good and like such a that it's just so obvious that like he'll be good in my opinion that i wouldn't be opposed to you know if it gets to you know if he starts if he doesn't get taken one he doesn't take taken two he doesn't take him through you know if you want to make it a certain thing i a mini a very small trade up i wouldn't be opposed to so I mean, I wouldn't hate it if, if it means Jalen Carter's in a Seahawks uniform. I don't care the means, really. But because I think just... he's that special, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's uh, he's not going to be Aaron Donald, but he can be on the Chris Jones tier, which I think Aaron Donald's in his tier by his own. Chris Jones is then the sole occupant of the second tier of the elite guys, and then there's like five names in that third tier which a guy like Quinn Williams is currently ascending, he may be able to get into Chris Jones tier. I think that Jalen Carter can get into that tier. 
by year two, year three of, of his career. So, I mean, that's an absurdly useful player. And also it's not just his production. It's it, he, he, he can get you pass rush in fronts meant for the run that make you feel compelled to play those, those fronts more. Cause then you go, okay, we can still have a four man rush here. Um, you know, that's what he did for Georgia. Like, right. Right. You know, he's, he's getting pressure and wins from weird spots in weird situations. Like, it shouldn't be happening. Right. And honestly, it'd be really cool to see him in more. Okay. You're the three technique with manufactured ways to get you one-on-one. We know it's pass. Go and beat that guard. Like that. I yeah. Think some crazy stuff could happen. So yeah. Yeah. So trying not to get too upset about that. Probably not happening anyway. There are two other players now. Let's deal with the first obvious one. Alabama outside linebacker Will Anderson Jr. So for this to happen, Seattle picks five overall. There's been a lot of talk about the quarterbacks in this draft. You'd need three quarterbacks to go in the first four picks. Or you need like two quarterbacks to go in the first four picks and say like a a cornerback like Witherspoon uh, to go and then Seattle can pick... uh, Will Anderson Jr. That's not out of the question. Like, there's a lot of talk about the quarterbacks, and for like for it to be all quarterbacks, all uh, defensive linemen in the first four picks, that feels unlikely. Like, you know, mix it up. What What about a receiver just getting involved? I don't know. We'll We'll see. But or maybe yeah. maybe a tackle suddenly rises. But I, I doubt that. Anyway. So, say Will Anderson Jr. does fall to the Seahawks. I I have to say, like, watching him, I don't know what I was expecting because I hadn't really watched him properly and I'd seen, like, the highlight clips of him beating a tackle, um, you know, much faster get-off, beats a tackle basically out of his stance, and then he's able to win the edge, get the edge, uh, r- rush wide through the arc and, and reduce down and, and get the sack. So, oh, this guy's going to be like your... He's like the perfect fit. You know, you look at the size, like he's an outside linebacker in a, in a 3-4. You know, okay, you know, he's gone to Alabama, I'm sure he can do the pass coverage. And then you like watch him and you're like, oh, this is not the kind of speedy, bendy kind of dude I was expecting. And what stands out is Alabama's playing him inside a tackle as a four-eye and he is like holding up. He's got incredible uh, play strength against the run. He The way he strikes guys the way he strains, the way he gets under people's pads, uh, the way he just takes on blocks so violently and with excellent leverage and his handwork of uh, getting his outside arm involved as well to keep himself clean. He's just playing right on the edge of his, his frame and his abilities against like big tackles, getting right under their pads, rocking them back. Like, brilliant. And it's like, oh, well... The run defense will be fine with him. You know, you could rely on him to set an edge. And, he, you know, he's obviously a smart football player. He'd, you know, he'd, he'd really solve that problem of you wouldn't know. You know, he'd be like what the Bruce Irvin edition was meant to be, but on like completely to a different level, like with, with the production, uh, you know, much, much better. But, uh, yeah. you know, and it wouldn't be like Daryl Taylor not being able to set an edge and Nuosi, like you, you could have Anderson in there on base and then yeah but as a pass rusher like I was not I was I was 
kind of kind of not not really seeing yeah. this as much as I thought I would. Yeah. All right. So I mean, I would be I mean, I, I'm Carter over Anderson, right? But I still think that he's like a top ten pass rushing edge prospect. I don't think he's like unanimous, like, you know, top three pick like most years, like Nick Bosa or Miles Garrett. I don't think he's up there. Uh, watching him in 2022 is different than watching him in 2021, though. I mean, he was he was hurt this year. He was hobbled. That said, he still had some really uh, higher profile games. But even in his true sophomore year last year, um, you're right. He's not he's not like the Von Miller type, like get off, bend, flexibility at the top of the rush, uh, st- st- stuff like that. So, um, but but like, what what is he though? Like, I still think he has good get off i think he has decent like good bend just not great bend um and then i think that yeah he doesn't have like innate like crazy flexibility where he can dip under guys but i think part of that also is like deliberate choices he's making like further making it look worse than it actually is um but like what is he though i mean he's essentially like a he's like a a speed strength finesse guy where he plays with like he gets speed to get position on the tackle and he's rushing up the arc. And then from there, where it really sets him apart as a trace player is he has absolutely like generational play strength for a guy that's 245. Like at the top of the arc, he gets his hands on you. He's winning the rep. Like you're you're at his mercy at that point. Like and he's a technique oriented player, a technique oriented player who actually only has a couple of moves. So like he can pick up moves, I think, no doubt, like expand his tool belt because he's already so dependent on winning with with moves stuff like that so like like risk control is everything and then from there he can transition into his rip without without losing any ground like uh on the quarterback so because like um drifting down the pocket is is a big problem right for the edge rushers you need to be able to corner early i think he has that capacity to do that and and like ride a rip and maintain his path i think that's where he can be really good um but for a player who is built around that, what I did see a surprising lack of is like footwork to set up the tackle a little bit, like where the jab steps, where the little sudden shimmy movements. Now, when he did do them, they worked to a devastating effect. So it's kind of, it's trite for a podcaster to sit there and be like, well, do it, do more jab steps. But like that's sometimes that's just how you felt watching him. Like do more of that, like use more footwork to, to set yourself up better at the top of the rush because I mean, he has terrific lateral quickness. That doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean like change of direction or like you know like pure bend, but like that first that first sudden first step suddenness is way up there. That's why like he has good counter moves at the right off right off the snap where he he can work inside really quickly. It's it's the same same concept instead of going outside in, going um uh, inside out too. So like. And, and that's how he can offset like the pure speed issues. Again, like the, the arc speed is still good. It's just not great. Um, I, I think he just kind of needs to put it all together. I think he can be an elite edge rusher. Now, the other side of it is, like you said, he played a lot of four eye. A lot of his reps are just not good reps like to evaluate at all because they have him lined up in the B gap and expanding out. And then on, further, I feel like it seemed like whoever was rushing opposite him was given the liberty to like rush the full depth of the pocket and he was the guy who had to retrace and and to account for the the quarterback scrambling up the middle or escaping in general so i wondered how much of it was like coaching points where he wasn't able to like 
you know, go full tilt all the time because they wanted him to be able to work back. So that meant he was capping his rush off a lot. Like there are times where it felt like, why didn't you, like, why did you stop? You didn't have to. Um, and I wonder if it is how he was coached. Now, th- those issues tend to alleviate a little bit in like, you know, the third and long situations or like games where like, like high profile games like Georgia 21, Cincinnati 21, I think are really important games because it shows like what get off he does have a little bit more on display and he was consistently beating the, their tackles. Now his, um, his, uh, his get off off the ball was really good. Like snap timing wise, like really good, almost like hard to get better than that. The thing I found was uh, after that point, like his speed up the arc, it wasn't as, uh, you know, it wasn't like elite. It was just, fine but like we're talking it's, about it's not elite players, yeah. so it's kind of like ah and really you know it unsurprising given his amazing strength but he likes to kind of work tighter paths on tackles that like even in opportunities where he could have aligned wider he's he's really trying to work uh like a tighter alignment and then get his hands into them like a forklift move um and even like headbutting guys um uh, in his rush paths to get up and close to them and then when he can rip through and win the edge or swim past and, and win the edge he yeah. like there's there wasn't too many wide wins and you know you mentioned the cincinnati game where there is that that wide win because he's just faster out of than the tackle at the set but it's like you know what is that tackle compared to like an nfo guy where right. you look at him against tennessee uh and malik right you look at him against texas a&m's tackles where he's not really winning like he's 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 having some reps where he's going speed to power and and the tackles having to anchor in there but he's not winning yet he's not really uh not really doing much as a pass rusher for me now now see where i feel like where we can kind of put this into perspective a little bit is like Kayvon Thibodeau last year there were concerns about his pure agility at the top of the rush he had he he was like a bat out of hell right off the snap, but then he, like, there weren't actually as many, like, wide arc wins as you'd think either. He kind of wanted to go speed to power a little bit more than maybe he should have. Now maybe he has more pure, pure speed, more pure arc speed, um, and he just it was like a rush plant thing. But like I would I would take twenty twenty one Will Anderson over Kayvon Thibodeau, and I like Thibodeau quite a bit. It was willing to kind of live with him not checking off the boxes he's supposed to check to the level that you want him to check them off. That was bad phrasing, but um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like if it's, if it doesn't sink Thibodeau, it shouldn't sink the prospect of Anderson at five. It's just, I don't know. I think he's far and away the best edge rusher in the class, but that's because this edge rusher group isn't that great. And I'd rather have Jalen 100%, but like I would, I would still be ecstatic by Will Anderson again. Like I think he's elite run defender too. Um, he gets into the backfield. He's a football player bef- before he is anything else. Like great technique, you know, taking on blocks, all that stuff. Um, so I don't know, man. That, that's that's just how I see it. But yeah, I get it. Like I feel like if if he if he can refine his technique a little bit because he's not raw he just needs experience and refinement and put in a scheme where they kind of let him tee off a little bit more i think he's got more in him and i think he could be really really productive um but we, we also talked about this off air like he needs to not be 245 though he needs yeah. to be 255 he needs to I put think, on weight yeah 
Which is so that sounds silly to, though, because we said he has elite play strength. So why does he have to be bigger? It's because it would compound what his strengths, right? Like positively, yeah. you know, because I don't yeah. think it would make him much slower. It would just make what he's already good at even better. Yeah. And and we should say like over the, over three years at Alabama, he did have 34 and a half sacks. So like he was productive. It's just the, the way, the way the, you know, him, I wanted to see him win in, in ways which were like, you know, just bending the edge, dipping around the edge, and that's that's just not who he is. So that's maybe that's wrong of me for my expectations. But knowing in what like the Seahawks would want from a outside linebacker, edge rusher type, uh, yeah, it's really not it's not the complete ideal prototype. And honestly, a lot of this as well is like it's so weird Seattle picking in the top five. I don't know sort of how to handle it. I'm maybe expecting my expectations too much. And when we talk about adding weight. Anderson turns 22 in September. Like he is young, as you said, he is a, you know, he has room to develop. He's still growing as a as a man. Like his body's still developing. He's still working all that stuff out. And he is a really good football player. Like at the end of the day, if you take a really good football player with really high SEC sack production, you're probably not going to go wrong. Uh, yeah. But I don't. I don't think it's nitpicky to say like. I, against like the better tackles, especially like this last season, and I only watched twenty twenty two, so I need to watch twenty twenty one. I would if Seattle took him, but I don't think it's nitpicky to say that you would like um, you'd like him to uh, have a bit more of a rush plan. Like I don't see that's the thing. I think the coach is kind of screwed. I think his coaching, yeah, that's true. Because like also when you when you talk about him being the the retrace to the quarterback guy, like they were running so much mirror stuff where, you know, the other dudes rushing around the back of the arc and he's designed to just loop inside and, and, and spill it to that guy, you know, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not fun watching either of those two Alabama or Georgia r r rush the passer for individuals. I mean, they have a great collective team rush plan, yeah. right? Like stellar, but it's not fun to like, th th they're not, they're not trying to get their guys drafted any higher than they're already going to be drafted because they have the Alabama name brand, the Georgia name brand. So they don't need yeah. to accentuate them. They're trying to win football games. It's just yeah. the game is different at college, obviously, than it is in the NFL. So, um, yeah, and on the jab step thing as well, like when he, like the, the few times he did pop that out to like work the angles, that really looked good. It's just I mean, he, he's, a, he's a lead at cornering. And he's going to be even better at it. So it's 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 just rare to talk about a top five, top ten edge where the best thing they're the best trait is their play strength at the top of the arc. It's their ability to corner. Like with with technique, is usually you're talking about like the the lower body traits, right? Um, yeah. He's but not, so yeah, he yeah. just he he just plays like a he just plays like a sort of a heavier edge. Like he's usually you'd expect like looser hips and he's just kind of he's he's a little bit rigid. more like yeah mechanical see so so comp wise now this guy has this guy had a little bit more like wiggle to him but the way like justin houston ended up perfecting his game justin houston was speed into position and then from there his hands took care of the rest or his or is a conversion to power 
I feel like that's what Will Anderson needs to try to be, like in terms of what his process, like the Justin Houston kind of process. Because um, I think he can win with the same few moves, rinse and repeat, the way Houston has, even when he was with the Chiefs in this prime. Um, like Justin Houston, I mean, he had he had get off. Don't get me wrong, he had bend, but he wasn't winning the same way Von Miller was. I mean, Khalil Mack even Khalil Mack. See, the thing about Mack is that he was two sixty moving that that way. So, like that, that matters. Was more obvious. Yeah, that's that's twenty pounds of difference. So. Like, I'm not going to comp Will Anderson to Khalil Mack, even stylistically. It's just he needs to – I'd really like to see him put on 10, 15 pounds minimum and see how he handles that weight because I feel like that would unlock him. But still, so, like, we're, we're asking these questions of a guy who could be picked at fifth overall. That's that's why we prefer Jalen Carter, you know, because there are no questions about his play style or anything. Like, with yeah. Carter, you're, you're just parsing – shades of eliteness not is he a leader not you know and and also it matters like matt coming out i'm pretty sure was a senior like yeah so he hasn't he had another year to you know develop like just as a you know body wise anyway. yeah so there is a conversation which has been brewing in, in like national circles much like how we've sort of got close to almost overthinking Anderson, but I don't think so. It's just like valid things to talk about. But there's a conversation, especially after the combine, which is next week, over whether a traitsy, uh, high testing edge who has that kind of like wow um, speed or, you know, just pops off the screen athletically would go before Anderson. And if Anderson in, at the combine doesn't jump that well or has slightly shorter arms than you'd expect, I don't think the arms will be an issue. But he might, he might not run as fast as like this next guy for like a height weight profile. Then maybe say Texas Tech's Tyree Wilson, uh, with the way the NFL loves to get traitsy with guys, maybe he goes before uh, Anderson, which kind of seems unheard of, but like. Wilson, he's a he's a senior, right? No, he's not. He's not a senior. Harry Wilson, he's not a senior. I thought he was. Were, he's a four year player. He might be a redshirt junior. He's a, he's a redshirt junior. There you go. So he turns twenty three in May. So he's got that extra year, and going from watching Anderson t- to Wilson like immediately, and obviously. <laughs> Wilson's level of comp isn't quite the same, but like just athletically, Wilson is just like a, he's like a different level of uh, uh, player. He's also a completely different player, which he's a way different. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a way different like composition. So, like, just for Seattle's purposes, he'd be an outside linebacker at two hundred and eighty pounds. So he's not he's he's an edge that is big. He's not a big. He's an end that is big, or an edge that is big. He's not a big end though. Like I don't want to see him playing four eye, four technique, the occasional three technique. Like he's not Michael Bennett. He's not, you know, he's not that kind of guy. Um, so that means, yeah, you're gonna. It's gonna be annoying because you're gonna have to see him in coverage if he pans out, and you have to play him all these snaps. You're gonna have to see him in coverage every so often. But it wouldn't be unprecedented. I mean, like there are, there are tweener types or bigger outside linebackers and three, four base schemes are in the league in recent history that have had to drop some like 
Lamar Woodley was pushing 275, 280 in Pittsburgh. Tom Bahali is a classic example. That guy was 275, and they had to drop him every so often. You just have to do it. Um, the, like we, we saw that they were able to drop Carlos Dunlap in 2021 and not stress him too much, and it didn't hurt the defense. It would pretty much be the same thing with Tyree Wilson. So, yeah, and and he's, he's not a fish out of water. He's done it a little bit. Like he understands how to do it. It's just occasionally there's the threat of, uh-oh, he's matched up on a wheel route. What's going to happen here? So you have to account for that sort of thing. I want to go back that, and I want to go back and watch 295 pound uh, Julius Peppers in pass coverage. Right. <laughs> um, Different. Julius Peppers is is I don't know how he even existed. Yeah, that's that's always crazy to me. Exists. Um, but the but yeah, so like but so yeah. Yeah, Wilson on the inside, like he he did it a fair bit because that's what the college defenses do. He did play inside, but. In terms of in as a four eye, like anytime he has his hand in the ground or two hands in the ground, so he, he used a four point kind of frog stance in the four eye, but uh, he's so late off the ball, and it's not because he's trying to mirror, it's just because he's like he, he doesn't know where he's looking, like he's just so raw at that. He, he exposes just... his outside pad, his pad level's bad, he's just playing out there, he's just looking to run into the guy uh, in front of him and push him back as uh, and get as much uh depth into the pocket as possible but like in terms yeah. of how seattle plays that technique the mirror stepping it'd be a complete projection there now why that matters is if you're drafting this guy at five overall or maybe do a mini trade down go take him at seven don't think that can happen but maybe right if you're drafting this guy at five, uh, five overall you know if he's going to be an every down player for you like and seattle isn't going to be playing Two, four, five nickel looks as much as they can this year. They will have a much more obvious, I think, matching of personnel approach that didn't exist last year with Pete Carroll's comments. I think basically the base is three, four bear, where a Tyree Wilson type, like, you know, in terms of the size, uh, like, you know, pushing 280 pounds, they'd be expected to play over a guard, like a three technique. Or if, you know, Seattle gets a tight end out there then they'll bump their front into having a five technique so a guy outside shoulder the tackle um wilson could do that i think but it would it would be a work in progress right like it'd be a big work in progress you'd have to work his stance you'd have to work how he's um you know his footwork out out of his three point or four point you just have and you know he's just like very very broad and so then what we're talking about is a year one guy who can't get on the field in these base three, four situations, which right. ain't, that's not good because if you're just saying he's an outside linebacker, right? Well, then you go back to why they got rid of Carlos Dunlap, as you were saying, because he's like, and there are a few snaps of Wilson in coverage. He's just awkward. Like he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's also, you know, he's probably not been told to do much, but also like he's tall, he's big. He yeah. doesn't have agility. Like, it's not his game, which is fine. It's just why yeah. that matters is if Seattle's running a 3-4 base, the whole reason they moved to actually being a 3-4 in name as well as nature is that they wanted to be able to play left and right with these guys. They didn't want to have a tell. They right. didn't want it to be, oh, every time KJ Wright is down to the boundary, we know that it's cover three because Carlos Dunlap's to the field and he ain't going to drop and he's going to rush. Oh, and every time Carlos Dunlap's to the boundary and KJ Wright's to the field, we know it's going to be cover two because Carlos Dunlap ain't going to drop into coverage and KJ Wright 
why would you rush him over Dunlap? Now, obviously, they right. can send both edges, but like you need to be able to play right and left of the coverage as well. And Wilson really is a he'd be more like a Dunlap, as you've said, Griff. So he he's like a weird kind of tweener where you can you can uh you can envision what he could be, but you'd have to try and get him playing well on the on on the kind of early down stuff, which is a complete projection. Like right. I mean there's a fresh well, trait, definitely, but I mean, yeah, athletically, he's a, an elite height, weight, speed guy. I mean, he's, I mean, I think he's more intriguing as an overall prospect, although he's, you know, slightly different than like Trevon Walker last year. Like, I mean, Walker was way overdrafted in my opinion, but like, I would prefer, I'd rather roll the dice on Tyree Wilson just because I think he projects better as a pass rusher. But, but yeah, so like it's the, the sacrifices that they'd have to make, I don't think they're afraid of making as a rule. I do think that they would express hesitance making that for again a guy that would be picked in the top ten. Like it's it's an even more extreme example of all the variables we talked about with George Karloftis last year, who was two seventy five, and then he ran at the combine at like two sixty eight or something. So we got down a little bit. But I mean, we were talking about like, well, are do they want to draft him because he's not a super easy square fit in the scheme? Tyree Wilson's even less of a square fit, quote unquote this year for all the reasons you said. So I don't know if, if they want to rearrange themselves for that much for a guy that the, they the don't other... have a perfect vision for immediately No, at, at five, at seven, at whatever. What I would say is Seattle will, because the NFL is largely nickel, Seattle will still play nickel, right? Like they're, right. They're, there's no reason to think that their run defense will be as bad as it was this past year. So along with the fact that teams are largely three wide receiver sets anyway, um, but they also won't probably have as much success running the ball. So that Seattle will probably run, you know, they will still be running the two for five nickel fronts. And Wilson in those would be that kind of, uh, you know, just for simple terms, like that kind of four, three kind of end that you need to yeah. be able to set an edge in the four down nickel fronts. Seattle doesn't drop those guys into coverage or very rarely it, does. It, it does raise the floor significantly, the run defense of that front, right? It mass massively because like you know he's super long, uh, he he's really accomplishing a two point, and it's hard to quit like how uh, you know his length um, and how he just completely just wrecked tackles like he's just he just it's just clear he's just the best athlete on yeah. the field by by some distance, and, and the like, fact that he's doing it while like he's late off the ball like his get off was like eh. Like the ball snap, and he's like he's slow out of his set, and he's still right. wrecking guys. Like it's like yeah. okay, what do we have here if we you know coach this guy up to uh, play a bit more football? You know, yeah, and like the ground that he does cover after like his second and third step, or even in his second and third step, is crazy. And you think about how that translates to like you know stunts and stuff. If if they want to, like even if they play the two four five less, they're still going to need to add in more calls with it. Um, and like the 49ers, the way they defend the run, they have a lot of line movement when they're in their even space fronts. They're 4-2-5, which is in effect the same thing. The ground that he covers on stunts for Texas Tech, I mean, he, he wrecks things just because like his wingspan is absurd and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he he, uh, he does help you there. Like your 2-4-5 stuff, like, like I, again, like their problems there is predominantly like situational usage. Like they're 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 using it. Too, too much in the wrong situations but when he is out there he still improves it um like when seattle played a lot of it years ago it was because they had michael bennett to the bubble 
and you know he was a well-sized end you know not as big as tyree but 6'3 275 280 with good length um he was able to you know like space matters right um it's not just good play but you have to be like length can help you so that's where that's where tyree can come in as well um like what do we think of him though as an actual like pass rusher because that's what they're after they're after a blue chip pass rusher what, what do mean, you see there watching him he it's hard because he's just re- he's just wrecking shop like it's just athleticism taking over like his he, you know he stabs a guy down the middle of his frame and then he, <laughs> yeah he's just much more flexible than the guy you know he, uh very fast uh, getting into an inside move and he's pretty flexible for his he's size re- yeah um and like yeah, his like like when he's expanding out like he can like adapt his footwork in stride like he's not like some of these guys are so big once they get going in one direction they just need to commit to the direction they're like he has subtlety to his footwork like he can change his angles and stuff as he's rushing which is just rare like again like carlos dunlap is a name that i think he's a little different than carlos dunlap but dunlap still fits the bill of a guy who can move well in space tyree Mm -hmm. wilson can move well in space for a guy his size and and uh i need to the the sports info solutions draft hub hasn't updated yet like i think they're in the process of updating it but like i believe pro football focus had him with the highest pressure like one of the highest pressure rates amongst college football like his ability to reduce at the top of the arc and get skinny reminds me of someone that i don't think i should say but it does remind me of someone with a similar enough composition should i yeah, go for it. It, re- it reminds me now just this element, like his ability to like reduce his pad surface while moving that big, like moving at that size, eating at up that speed. Ground is yeah. is is JJ Watt. I'm not comparing him to JJ Watt <laughs> as a player collectively, but the way like JJ Watt can reduce his pads at his composition. I mean, uh, Tyree's a little more top heavy than JJ, well, but you he know, can still play. You know where that shows up as well, like. And he sometimes got this wrong, but say he's being read as the backside edge defender on zone read. He was able to like uh, take away, you know, charge hard at the quarterback, the 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 um, the keep read, and yeah. then scrape down the line of scrimmage to the to run away, like wide run away, um, and beat like split action blocks as well. Uh, and it's just the way he's able to angle down and redirect for a dude his size moving fast like yeah. and everything's happening quick and also having the, the, the arm length to finish the play and make the tackle yeah it's pr- pretty uncommon like it just his looks, balance yeah the balance looks, is crazy I, I and it's all that stuff which you've articulated much better than me but like it's all that stuff which it was it was pretty stark watching that it's like this guy is like after watching um cartoons obviously like a completely different player big defense tackle type then yeah. watching will anderson again complete different player but like you know is expecting a bit more like juice and then watching wilson where i was like oh, this guy is just like he's just moving like it's completely different I've never yeah. ha- you know it's just weird seeing not weird but amazing seeing someone able to have such uh ability to uh move like to control yeah, their body yeah. uh, at that size and and that height and that, with those arms and this yeah very I mean, we, we talk about him as a ceiling potential guy because he's so like 
I don't, I don't know if I mean he's raw in the and that there aren't a lot of technical moves, but the floor is already pretty high with what he's working with. I mean, you know, like the, the guys can't handle his power. Um, and he's he still actually, working it out, you know. Like yeah. there's a lot of stuff where just a bit more, you know, a bit more learning, a bit more coaching, and suddenly you're like, whoa. And he's still he's still mindful about like trying to grab wrists and stuff. It's just he doesn't have moves to build off of that. So like he can still controls the block, but when you're trying to like look for all right, can our moves possible? Like can this guy learn it without just it being like total like wish casting? For a guy like he he has good reactive ability. Like he can he like reaction time. Like he 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 grabs Definitely. hands. He just doesn't do a lot with it. But that suggests that he can, you know, develop like. I you think know, the fact he was still able to I think the fact he was still able to win in those situations without necessarily having to move, you know, that does speak to like how he is able to adapt and 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 uh yeah, and, and you know, that defense is like a lot of again, like scheme wise, it matters. Like it's a lot of different looks, there's a lot going on. They're kind of trying to throw stuff at a wall and see what sticks to a point, you know. Mm-hmm. And I it's not necessarily like the honed NFL environment of you play this technique in this situation, and now you play this technique in this situation, and you're basically going to use like four different techniques, and you're going to get really good at them, uh, and you're going to play situations very, very de- definitely. Like, um, you know, you're going to like the base versus nickel discussion that we had, and the fact that when he's playing as a wide, wide edge. Um, oh, that's the other thing with him as well, Tyree. Like he's comfortable playing wide just because he's a big guy. Like he, he lines up wide in a two point and he's comfortable yeah. with that. Uh, yeah. yeah his he, get offs he... bad, but he can work the angles of that width. Well, whereas Anderson, Absolutely. I mean, I didn't see it, but like, he's still, he, you know, he didn't get as many ops in that situation, but he doesn't want to get like tight. He wants to play tight to a tackle most of the time, like in terms of uh, the way he rushes. Cause that's how, you know, he, he needs to get into guys to then get his power working. Yeah. And, um, Whereas Wilson, like, he's fine working working wider angles. Like, as crazy as it sounds to say, but to, like, hammer home, like, what he is, if they were playing their old 4-3 scheme, he'd be the Leo. Like, he'd be a Leo. Right, right, right. Because, you know. Because it's and, – and you just play it over all the time, and he he, he can play the tight end, take away that um, – Yeah. C-gap, just running through a tight end. Right. Playing hard and then a nickel doesn't field. matter, but right, yeah. right. So I mean, yeah. he's truly he's just an edge that is big. That doesn't mean he's a big end, as that phrasing goes, because that means a host of things. Um, yeah, I, I think you know, there's no reason he couldn't do five tech. It's just you, you know, I don't think, I, and like in the rush pack, as of yet, it's not his style. No, I mean, he has no, to. He has to. It's the, so obvious the, he's the a wide for it. It's just not his skills yet. So I mean, yeah. like. Because before you can develop skills, you need to have the requisite traits for it. Like he has mm. the traits for it; it's just not his game at the moment. So, what we're so saying it's, is, uh, it's a projection Ty- there. What we're saying is Tyree Wilson in Will Anderson's body, and Will Anderson in Tyree Wilson's body. It's odd, isn't it? No, I, mm. I still. There, but that's kind of cool. More I like there with Anderson, but definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I, I, and honestly, very cool. The, the you know these are kind of unique players. They are unique. unique. It's like cool. It's not like vanilla, boring stuff. It's stuff to think about here. Yeah. Now, okay. Here, here's another thing. Because all those things we we talked about with Anderson, like where we tried to kind of explain away, like 
Well, like he was disadvantaged by the scheme a little bit, maybe the way he was coached. The fact that he was still so counting stat productive in spite of those things, yeah. I think I think that signals that he would take to coaching very well and very quickly if he was accentuated better. But that's just me. You know, he knew he he's like he knows it's so obvious that he knows exactly what's going on. Like he's yeah. very very smart um, throughout plays. Like the way he handles like conflict, like run, um, like quarterback running back conflict in the quarterback run game. The way he knows understands, he's being read. yeah, yeah, knows he's being read. The way he understands gap scheme when there's pullers away and on the front side of it. I mean, th- that would make massive difference for the run defense too. Like for the same reasons we talked about Tyree Wilson raising the floor, they're two, four, five. Nwosu and Anderson, their ability to play stout and get vertical against the run into the backfield. I mean, he would also help there tremendously. Um, the, the, the other, the other and, side of it is that, no, go ahead. Well, and Anderson also could be really comfortable. Like he plays every down still. He's an every down player. Like, yeah. Uh, now two, four, five ways. It'd be interesting to see him in more of those pure pass situations. And what Seattle does, like they've openly said, this is they just, They've got XOS Catapult, which is where the college teams watch film. They just go in and watch, like, filter out and um, create clear pass yeah. situations. Like, with Dowell Taylor, literally, the, the main thing was, yeah, yeah, we watched Tennessee film with just uh, him in the pure pass situations. And, you know, we, we saw stuff like that as well. He was just ridiculous, like, dipping the edge. And that was basically it. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, there's a bit more to it. But, like, with Anderson, it would, it's a shame that in those situations, a lot of the time, he's having to do some grunt work for other players for like a variety of reasons. I did find it interesting that they re- reduced him down onto a guard at times. Again, I think to try and use his, uh, you know, power and, and work uh, kind of more advantageous angles for himself and his skill set. But, but m- m- what I'm saying is he'd be able to play in the two for five. Cause, you know, he'd be able to set an edge really well still. There's no reason he wouldn't be able to do that. He'd be able to take his shots in the run game through his recognition pre-snap, uh, a bit like how Nwosu did last year. But... um. Yeah, and I'm sure you know the wide rush stuff that would come. It, I, I mean, I need to the the, the way the, the way I view Anderson is like we still like yeah the ceiling may not like the like the fuck off ceiling may not be there, but when I think that he has elite play strength, and he'll be have elite technique, the elite ability to corner, those two things add up to very productive edge rushers, even like what would take those types of players to even further heights, higher heights, new heights is also having elite get off elite bend. There are guys in the league right now that don't have elite bend. that don't have elite arc speed. They do yeah, have elite play strength and elite ability to corner technique. And they are 10 plus sack guys every year. It's just, you're talking about like the tier two edge guys, which still get paid 15 plus million dollars a year. Right. Combine that with elite run defense, I think the Will Anderson concept is worth a fifth overall pick, but maybe ideally six, seven, eight, nine. But that's not going to happen. If you want so, him, yeah, don't get cute. You got to take yeah. him at five. Yeah, because then it gets, and we will talk about this. But after Anderson, um, I, you know, to your credit, Griff, you highlighted Tyree Wilson as like the the guy right after Anderson. Yeah. Pretty sure he was you no, were talking see, about him very early. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, he's a guy that that pops. Now, the other idea of it is forget about comparing Anderson and Wilson to each other in a vacuum. What's the opportunity cost of opportunity? I just said that. Oh, no. But like trading back, getting Wilson at seven, eight, nine, and then the additional pick versus only getting Anderson, right? I think the Lions take Tyree. Think so? Or do they do they take? They kept doing that in my PFF mock draft. God damn it! PFF never lies. They might want a quarterback though. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. But yeah, I don't think you can get too cute with it. And honestly, this has been a great exercise because I was thinking, ah, I really like Jalen Carter. There's a you know, it's probably not going to happen. I'm a bit upset about that. But these other two guys are, I, you know, there's there's maybe a tad less certainty about some very important things than you'd like. But ultimately, the draft's never certain, even though these are important questions that we're asking. And, uh, you know, focusing on what they can do well, both would bring really exciting things to the Seahawks where you're like, you know, they improve the defense and in an area that it needs improving. So that's massively encouraging. Griff, do you have anything to add on that? And then we'll get to a few questions. No, I think that I think that's it. Right. Derek Gilbert. Derek, thank you so much. You have been a long time watcher, supporter. Thank you for the donation. What do you all know about Derek Hall, Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl? Just tweeted a cool video of him. So that is um the Auburn guy who was at the senior bowl. So Griff, cast your mind back to that. He was six two. Let me check. I think he was six two two six foot two uh, basically six three, two hundred and fifty two pounds with thirty four and three eighth an inch long arms. So immediately I'm looking at that and thinking, well he meets the arm length requirement, but like Seattle would probably want him slightly bigger because it sounds like he's more of a edge setting. Like that's like a five tech who's twenty pounds too small. If you if you think about how Seattle would play that, but you can't just scout the the, the body types. I remember when we did our senior ball defensive recap, he didn't really stand out to you. Like you didn't really mention him, but most of his I reps watch senior ball, which I think were were like most of his senior ball reps were like wrecking the tight end towards the three technique, which is like, uh, you know, good four, three end play, but I'm not sure how it fits Seattle right now. Maybe he could, maybe he bulks up slightly. I don't know, but you watched him at all. I don't, I don't, I don't think he needs to, to, to bulk up. I feel like he's actually, cause everyone in this class is like, everyone that's explosive is too light. Everyone that's bigger is a tweener. He's the only guy that has prototypical composition where you're not, super worried about like size i feel okay. like for an outside linebacker i think he's a legit outside linebacker the problem is that he has good speed to power he has good play strength i just think he's lacking like like exciting levels of twitch like he doesn't need to be first round level twitch but like even like second round level get off you know arc speed and stuff he's a smooth mover like he has good movement skills it's just everything is just like like the madden sliders are just depressed a little bit they're just dampened and it's but other than that like he's kind of uh he kind of checks off a lot of like prototype or archetypal boxes it's just not at an exciting level so like he's a classic like to me third round pick who if he becomes like a mensch technique wise he could be a productive player um but like 
he's really uh, he's the only guy that is those things I mentioned. He doesn't have like a concerning red flag as far as like viability goes. That is also like young, like KJ Henry. I I don't dislike Byron Young. I don't dislike, but they're 24 years old, 25 years old right now. He's 21. So and and he you know he has production. Um, Can he drop good, into coverage? He can if if Benson Mayoa can do it. Derek Hall can do it. Again, we're not talking about guys that are carrying receivers downfield. Like you're just buzzing to the flat, right? Um, I, I think that Hall is is a guy that you know the floor is high enough in enough areas where if he could continue to progress and it's a possibility with his age being what it is, that's a, that he could be something in the NFL. He, he's a guy of the the late day two, early day three guys that I would be the most intrigued by. Um, so they got that's that's cool because there was me thinking this is a like a small big end because I saw two clips in Sesame Edge, but he's actually uh, and I saw the short and and long, but he's actually an outside linebacker who's just a bit short and you can set an edge. That's interesting. They, they, I mean, they need like a solid run defender, it's just you'd like him to offer a bit more in the kind of yeah. pass rush and pass rush potential ceiling. Now, there is one name I totally forgot to mention, and this was not the edge breakdown because we're going to do breakdowns of each position group in depth. But like yeah. one, one name I didn't even mention was the Kansas State guy, Felix Anudike Uzoma. Um, mm. he, he's a guy that I would earlier, just to contextually give an idea, like earlier when we talked about BJ Ojolari, probably after Ebiketti with Mafe, Drake Jackson, Benito, et cetera, he'd be right in there with those guys. So he's another guy that, that we'll get into. Um, I need to watch more of him. I think that he might be a little stiff at the top of the arc, but he's still like a get-off guy. Um, he's a speed rusher with with power and strength. Um, I just don't think he's he's just crazy agile, which is why he's a second-rounder, not a first-rounder. But he's a productive player. I think more of a classic 4-3 end, but you can fit 4-3 ends into a 3-4 outside linebacker if they're good enough. So... He's, he's the other guy to look for. Because um, Kansas State was fairly decent on defense. I'm pretty sure he was the um, Big 12 defense player of the year. Yeah, I mean, he I mean, he, he could be a good player. I mean, he I could mean, be a good yeah. player. He just doesn't – I just don't think he's a first-rounder. Yeah, he was. He's, he has very good technique too. Uh, Felix does like he knows what he's doing. Like he's a, he's an ed, he's an edge rusher. He knows and a what junior, he's doing. so not a bad thing. Yeah, right. um, uh, I will say I don't like Foskey very much, but I need to watch his junior year because I think he played hurt this year. Okay, and Hooch Sniper donated as well. Thank you very much, Hooch Sniper. Appreciated. Right, that is that. I think we're here. Was you saying there will be like ten minutes on each guy, and we've done quite a good show, a lengthy, meaty show. So enjoy the meaty show, and we'll be back after the combine with reactions to some of the testing. Suddenly, we'll know whose arms are too short or who can't jump high enough, and all of that stuff. And it will just focus things down, put a clear up some draft boards. And uh, we can really hone in on that. Also, then really quickly, we'll be getting into free agency, won't we? And hopefully Gino Smith will resign. Obviously, at the combines, when people talk, 
and things get done, deals get made. Ty and I will be back tomorrow with a news recap, so make sure you tune in for that. There's a lot of news. <laughs> There's a lot of news as it pertains to the Seahawks and also Seahawks adjacent. Right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Follow Griff at CMikeSpinMove. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. Like the video. Comment if you haven't already. been great. We've had a lot of people in here. It's clearly a good time. Happy weekend. Follow the podcast at Seattle Overload. Download the show. Just It's so easy. Just go on your phone. Open up Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, SoundCloud, other weird podcast things. Download the show at Seattle Overload and give it a five-star review. Very simple. It does help out. And until next time, have a good night.